Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 544. And we are right towards the end of the year, aren't we? There's not long left. And that's why this this week's podcasts are perfect, because there's some, some rich history here. So today's guest is Rosie Marcel. And Rosie was the greatest episode you never heard. Okay, back in 2019... I think it was. I recorded an episode with Rosie. And then, because we're friends, I love Rosie dearly. I spent Thanksgiving with Rosie and her family and her sister, Kelly Marcel, who's one of my best friends in the world, previous guest. But because we were so relaxed, we talked about some things that weren't announced yet. And there was some pushback from certain areas to say that we can't release them. And it's now taken us three years four years to get around to having this conversation again but here we blooming are um and i'm incredibly excited about it it's a fantastic conversation i recorded a couple of weeks ago i said i'm so pleased that this is one of the ones we're kind of ending the year on and might i say it's been a hell of a year i really appreciate all you guys tuning in um all this time it's been a mad year for guests obviously we had the drunk cast late there will be a drunk cast this year but we kicked the year off with Ruth Maidley and Lenny Rush, who's just been announced on New Year's Taskmaster. And there's just been countless amazing episodes. Saul Williams back on, Rue Reynolds back on, John Kearns, James Acaster returning. The episodes with um, Florence and Reed from Come Curious, they were great. Barmer, John Ronson coming back. Trevor and Simon, TV icons, Trevor and Simon and big, big screen icons like Pom Clementief. Oh man, Josie Long coming back, Lou Sanders coming back, Open Mike Eagle coming back. There's a lot of returns. But then having like icons like Shaggy. I had Shaggy on my podcast this year. How insane is that? So yeah, and then, you know, some big episodes like the Knife Crime one and, and, and the Israel-Palestine one. So it's been a hell of a run already. And you guys have been there shouting about it, supporting as you always do. So I love you dearly f- for that. As Christmas is round the corner, obviously I need to mention that speechdevelopmentrecords.com is where you can get all your Scroobius Pip and distraction pieces and speech development based Christmas gifts. Uh, we may not be for you and that's fine. Sloganed stuff goes down a treat and it's a motto. It's a, a label m- motto. And um, yeah, it's good for... There's going to be a lot there. Go and have a look. Go and have a little browse. Enjoy yourselves. Oh, I should also mention, thank you to everyone who supported the Black Friday cycle charity bike ride. We raised over three and a half grand for Shelter, who are so important, particularly with what's going on with our government these days. But yeah, I ended up doing... Instead of 42 kilometres, a marathon, I did 62 kilometres. Um, and you guys just gave so generously. So thank you for that. But stop that now. Now go to my web store and give me generously. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, continue to, to support people like Shelter. But but another way you can support the podcast is to go to patreon.com forward slash Pip and you can support for around a dollar a month. And that really makes a difference. And twitch.tv forward slash Pipio. Last year, I did some insane stuff over there at Christmas. 
because I got COVID just before Christmas and ended up kind of streaming through a fever for ages. So yeah, check that out. And check out Pip's Twitch Clips on Instagram and YouTube. If you're confused as to what I do on Twitch and don't want to commit to opening a new app, just just open up Pip's Twitch Clips and you can have a look at at some different highlights over the years. Me discussing Marvin Gaye. Uh, me trying to convince people I'm not having a breakdown, all sorts of good stuff. Anyway, let's get on to this episode. As said, me and Rosie hadn't caught up since that 2019 chat properly. We'd definitely seen each other since then, I think, but hadn't had a long sit-down conversation like this. You know, pandemic, all sorts of other things. So yeah, we get into it. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 544, with Rosie Marcel. I'm here today with Rosie Marcel, and I'm so excited to have this catch-up, mate, because it's been ages in general. Obviously, we've texted a bit back and forth, but we recorded a podcast in 2019. Gosh. That never got to be released, yes. but it's one of my favourite podcasts we've, I can't I've done. I why we didn't changed. release it now. It was because we spoke again, and that's what I was going to start this by saying, is there anything we can't talk about? But then I thought, I'll just press record, because we that's what we did last time, and it Not all went now. wrong. What basically happened <laughs> last time was we spoke about, you, you know, your plans of leaving Holby at that point, and oh. the BBC hadn't announced it yet, and then a lot right. changed after that as well, yes. with Holby yes. coming to an end. So it was a complex one. It was one of them where it was like, well, we could edit out that bit, but then that bit l- led to this conversation and that okay. led to this conversation. It was kind of like... So we could release I'd rather both we now. just do it all. Yeah, we, yeah, we so could we do could do a double. two-parter. Like, it could be the first part 2019 and here's the catch-up. Well, I'll put this part out first and then we'll go back to the, the, the original, <laughs> like the mysterious unreleased. But, <laughs> I mean, how are you? Because a lot's been going on even... Yeah. since then. I've got all my original yeah. n- notes from the first one so we can go Gosh. back over some stuff, but there's been a lot of change. There's been a lot right? of change. It's been, it's been a very chaotic two years, yeah. actually, since since leaving Holby. It's yeah. just been, it's... you go. I've gone from sort of riding high in an incredible job, you know, with like yeah. this amazing sort of incredible six-figure salary yeah you know working you know 70 to 80 hours a week being just feeling like one of the luckiest people in yeah. the world to and doing amazing work and, like and again it was just work. after we recorded because we talked work. to yeah. that point about some of the hard storylines yeah and some of the impact that had and we can get into all of that again but yeah after we recorded that that turned into award nominations yes. and praise and all sorts Great of stuff which again lines. that kind of thing is can be quite rare for yeah for, for that se- kind of show yeah yeah those kind of shows so Going amazing that, yeah. artistically and yeah stability wise yeah again this is an industry that's oh my god fucking nightmare you, for that and you don't realize it you know until it's gone yeah so having sort of you know gone from that mm. to for the last two years i've been a housewife and a mother and i haven't earned a penny Wow. So, you know, it's and everything right? we did have went into this this room that you're sitting in now, which has yeah. no ceiling and no heating and no and is freezing. Yeah. And not being able to kind of do anything with it. It's the, it's a very strange place to be. 
Yeah. Um, but actually, I, I'm probably happier than I've ever, ever been. I was going to say, how are you within yourself? Because again, we'll talk about all of this. Like, mm. I mean, it's worth mentioning as we record this. I'm not sure if this will be out until the new year or just before the new year. But as we record this, the strikes have just been concluded yeah. in America. And a lot of that was about basically just getting more rights and protection for actors. Yeah. And again, it is it is a weird industry for that. As beautiful as it is, it's taxing. It can be really tough. So as much as a break of that length of time might be scary, yeah. it can also be really positive, right? To, and necessary to, to remind as well. you who you are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know? I, I kind of, I knew at the end of Holby that I was going to need a, a period of time where... I kind of took care of myself because, you know, through the years as well, there's been lots of people who've been in the show, you know, for a long period of time. And then you've seen them afterwards and they've gone, God, it took me like six to eight months to recover, you know, Mm -hmm. from you you don't realise how hard you're working until you stop and what it's doing to you mentally until you stop. And I, I did. I went through a massive identity crisis and a bereavement as well in some ways because I lost this person who had been my friend for 16 years, which was Jack. You know, and this person, yeah, yeah, this person I could be on a daily basis, and also going from having your opinion, you know, listened to and that meant something to Mm. someone, and and talking to adults every day, and working on scripts (laughs) every day, and finding ways to make things different and interesting and better, to having a conversation with an eight-year-old. Mm. every day yeah uh it's it's so so different yeah um but the time off actually it we're coming up to two years now and i haven't had a job yeah i haven't worked yeah um it's mad but so common i'm I'm really lucky that early on in my acting career i met stephen graham Mm. and he told the story of how after this is england he didn't book a job for 18 months yeah and I did exactly the same after. The biggest job I ever got was, was during the pandemic. It was a show called Debris in America. I'm filming in Canada. I was like a That's lead right. back guy, all this kind of thing. Yeah. I was really excited. But I didn't book a gig for, I think, at least 18 m- m- months after that. Yeah. And it was really good to know that, well, I know that Stephen Graham isn't shit. So I'm not no. just not getting work because I'm shit. It's just how the industry can be. So it's great to have someone like that who I think of as one of the best yeah. who didn't have that because that's how the industry works, particularly yeah. if you've played such an iconic role because that's yeah. all you're thought of for them. Absolutely. And, There's and, a very little imagination. Yeah. Uh, people, I, I feel in this industry now as well, you don't have to have as much imagination as a producer or as a casting director, or as a director even, just because our industry is so saturated with talent. Yeah. There are so many people that, you know, mm. you, you can sort of hold out for Rosie with brown hair. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. need to, because that person exists. It's what's exciting when you... I, I, I posted this, so Phil Barantini, who directed Boiling Point and all of that yeah. stuff, um, he does a podcast and he had... Sophie Holland on recently, who's a casting director. Mm -hmm. And I responded to an Instagram post about it. And I'm always conscious of this because anytime I speak positively of casting directors, I'm aware it makes me look like I'm kissing ass and trying to get work. But Sophie Holland Holland has really stuck with me because really early on in my career, she got me to audition for a role that was like in the script, a 60-year-old bald teacher. Okay. But she wanted to offer them something different and that was exciting like that was the first time I'd had that like yeah. at that point everything I went up for was medieval or whatever else because I've got yeah. a big beard and I, I look like this 
And that was the that was a real breakthrough moment for me because it was the first casting director that didn't just look for Rosie with Brown. Like, like yeah. that went, well, here's Rosie, but let's fit her into something that maybe it isn't on the paper. Yeah. It's not what they thought they were looking for, but I think yeah. that they could have something That's exciting. Here. And That's that, exciting. again, it changed the way I auditioned because it made me go, right, stop trying to be who you think they want yeah. and play the character that you want it to be. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. But yeah. you get to have fun with that rather than going, oh, what do they want me to be? Yeah. And then, we'll, then when you don't get it, it's more heartbreaking because you've tried so hard to please them <laughs> rather than go, Absolutely. Here's my idea. Yeah. See, so yeah, that kind of thing's interesting. But I want to go back a little bit to, because that's mad. It's 16 years, isn't it? Because yeah. the Rosie who created Jack is very different from the Rosie at the other end of it. Right. Yeah. So the, the the person you were when you started playing that role, when you found that new friend. Yeah. That character has obviously evolved as well, but you've changed and evolved massively along that way. So kind of, mm. how was that to, I guess, at that point, maybe the, the long, one of the longest constants you'd had in your life was that character. Yeah. So, yeah, were you kind of, was there an awareness of, oh, look at who I am now, like from when you went in? Because again, you, you've, you, you, you are now a mother and an yeah. you know, established actor, all these kind of things even more so, so... I think so. I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you're just living your life. So it's it's hard to kind of think about the change while it's happening. Yeah. But if I if I think about, you know, where I where I started, you know, I was in a different marriage. Yeah. You know, wow. mar- marriage is someone different, obviously living somewhere different. And actually, you know, I thought about this in the car the other day because I was thinking about you coming over mm. and stuff. And I thought about the day I heard I'd got Holby and how it was a very different thing then, Holby as well. Mm. It was thought of extremely highly. It had incredible viewing figures. And when you signed on to this job, you signed on for three years. Yeah. And that's just unheard of now. Yeah. And if I if I think about it in terms of, God, that's what I signed up for when I was like 26 or something. I can't even remember how old yeah. I was now, 28, something like that. And then I've ended on, we were lucky if we were getting six-month contracts or year contracts or whatever, because yeah, we never really mad, knew what was going to happen. And I've had a divorce and I've had you know, and I've had a baby and I we've lost our businesses and lost a job and the incredible amount of things that's happened in that time, I, I literally couldn't sit down and, mm. and, and write about. But I'm immensely grateful for it because it's I'm a much happier person now than I think I ever was before. Yeah. It's allowed me to grow in a way that I didn't think was possible yeah you know because you get stuck don't you, you get very stuck in your life yeah of um course. but yeah at the end of all of it immensely immensely grateful for where i am even though it's probably very similar to a lot of people in the country you know worried about money worried about where the next job comes from and things like that but yeah. also going my god i'm so grateful to be able to be here for my child and be mm-hmm. for my, my daughter so yeah it's been an intense time there without a doubt yeah. exhausting as well it's unimaginable. And were there points along the way that you wanted it to end or that you were sick yeah. of it or not tired? Because, again, anything of, that, <laughs> anything of that length of time. Again, I remember the scary thing of this this gig I signed on to in Canada, and, and we only got one series in the end, but I spent a week or two panicking when they sent the contract through and I had to agree to five series. Yes, that's right. And I was like, right, well, I don't to be blunt. I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know if it's good yet. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I could be committing to this, or or not good, but something that I'm into, yeah. I love the, the pilot script, but, yeah. you know, what could this be? And 
do I want to just be one character for this amount of time or do I want to go off and do other things? So again, I'm sure you would have had that, those, the excitement of the reliability of a three-year contract, but also that fear of, right, well, am I wanting to do this for three years, not knowing that you're going to do it for 16? 16. (laughs) Three years is scary at that point, you know, for any one job. Yeah. I mean, the thing, I think it might be different with American contracts, but the thing I always felt was if I am desperately unhappy here, Mm they're not going to make me stay. Yeah. You know, there's going to be someone I can sit down with at some point and go, I'm really unhappy. I don't want to be here anymore. Is there a way to write me out? It's what made me sign on to Debris was Joel, the showrunner. I just got on with so well, was so lovely. And in the back of my head, I thought, if I'm really not happy, they're never going to make you stay. Well, it's going to show in your work as well, isn't it? That's the other thing, you know. So, so yes, I mean, there were times absolutely where I, I, I didn't want to be there. You know, it's amazing having hindsight now because obviously you realise how lucky you are to have that job. But I mean, I, I think I, I must have left several times. Mm. M- most of the time I would think of the intention of coming back, but just needing that three-month break or needing a six-month yeah. break yeah. or something like that. And I was always convinced to come back, mainly because the character was just such an incredible character. And for me as well, Jack touched people's lives in terms of, I think I helped a lot of people with the way I played that character in the terms of like the mental health storyline mm-hmm. and things like that. So it was worth it for me to stay and be yeah. there because I felt like I was doing a little bit of good. But yeah, oh my God, you know, there were some weeks where, especially after having Bo and I had a nervous breakdown on set and I had to mm. literally leave that day. Mm. There were lots of times where I just, I didn't want to be there. But, you know, that sounds so horribly selfish now because it was just such an incredible job and I was so grateful to have it and knowing now what it's like to be back out of work. Yeah. And doing my first in-person audition, even though it was over a Zoom with Susie Paris the other day, in 18 years. Wow. Wow. 18 years. That's mad, isn't it? It's completely insane. The last in-person audition I did was for Holby. Wow. Before the one I did the other day. So it's, yeah... It's that's mind boggling. It's isn't crazy, it? but you know we all how get was exhausted. It? So it's, how it was, was it? How were you in the lead up? How 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 did it um, go? I was nervous. Yeah, mm. I was really really nervous. And it's not. I've done a few auditions in the last couple of years, but you know, always for those jobs where you go, I'm not going to get this. Yeah, it's this Netflix, and they've probably offered it out, but they've got to be seen to be auditioning other yeah, people yeah, because yeah. that happens quite a lot these days as well. But also, this I've was always the, had a theory that there's a bit of a a machine in this industry where yeah, kind of exactly that. The casting, the directors, it benefits them to have seen X amount of people. Absolutely. It benefits the agents to be getting you auditions. Yeah. And I think there's, there's, I've always felt there's loads there that it's like, well, this isn't real. Yeah. It's kind of already figured out. But, but doesn't it feel like a horrible waste of time? Like my friend um, Bob Barrett, who played Sasha in Holby, I had a yeah. long conversation with him the other day and he told me that there'd been a big uproar recently about a Netflix job, because it turns out they'd seen 7,000 people for one part. Wow. And you kind of go, you sort of like laugh internally, but also go, I really don't want to waste my time doing that. And, you you know, without sounding ungrateful, I've said the same to my agent. I'm the anomaly here because... <laughs> because I didn't go to acting school, same, and I've not got any any, any kids or or, mm-hmm. or or things like this. So, not that I've got loads of time spare, but yeah. I'm still at the point where, or I've got myself into the zone where. And again, I turn down auditions still if it doesn't feel oh, right. Yeah. But if it's yeah. something that excites me, regardless of if I'm going to get it, I'm in that mode of oh, this is a workshop. 
I get to play with with this character. I get to play in this world. That's Um, brilliant. So I guess that's me protecting myself and trying to make sure that regardless of if I get it, I've got something out of this. I've got to play with that character and play in that world in that time. So Yeah. yeah, I kind of get excited about them all. But as I said, as I'm saying that, I know that the last two auditions that came through, I didn't yeah. go in for because I, I read it and was like... No, this isn't me. No, this isn't me. And exactly that. It's like, it feels... I like to look at them and go, how excited would I be if they email me to say, I've got it? Yeah. And it should be excited because it's yeah. a fucking dream job. Yeah. It shouldn't be... If it's one that I'm like, oh, I'd go, all right. So I would let someone who would be excited really about it Really excited about it, it, have it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, no, yeah, I completely I kind of agree with you. And, and have that process now of trying to not... Because, again, early days, you do have that thought of, I have to go out for everything. Yeah. you know, it's, Gosh, it's I don't job, feel like that at all now. No. I'm very much... Because I... Again, it's, it's so different from where I was, but because I'm in, in the position now that... You know, I do the drop-off at school every morning. Mm-hmm. I try and remain healthy, so I go to the gym afterwards. Mm-hmm. Then I walk my dogs. Then if I can get an ice bath in, I will. Then I'm cleaning the house, doing all the washing, getting dinner ready, picking up my daughter, bringing her home, giving everybody dinner. So my day is insane. Yeah. And what it would cost us to cover that with, like, a nanny who could do the drop-off and the pick-up and someone who can clean my house and someone who can walk my dogs for me is a really insane amount of money. Yeah, of course. So my gift now, instead of putting money into the pot, is that I run my household. Yeah. And I had this conversation with my agent a while ago when he wanted me to go up for a, for a BBC job that I wasn't really very keen on, but he was like, it's in person, you really should get back on the horse kind of thing. And I was like, look, this is not, this is like three scenes. Mm. And I'm like, you know, I get it, but I also want to have a level that I think I should be working to. Yeah. And I said, it's, everything has to work out perfectly financially and time-wise for me now. So I have to be very specific about what I'm going up for. Because unless it's going to pay for all of those things that I do, yeah. and it means Ben doesn't have to take time off work because he's the one earning all the money now, yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. I simply can't do it. It has to be a think, massive I job. Think it can be a really good way to cameo. be as well. Like I spoke yeah. to, years ago, I spoke to Simon Pegg about this, and he said after he had kids... It changed the way you looked at projects because he's like, is this project worth taking me away from my family? Yeah. Rather than, oh, but it's a good opportunity or it's a good, it's like, is it worth taking me away from my family? It's as simple as that. That makes perfect sense, really. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's thought. (laughs) You mentioned the dogs there and we talked about dogs a lot in the original episode, which I said, (laughs) I'm sure I've got it on my computer still, so hopefully I can release it, but... (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about dogs and the dogs now. Because one of the things that I was thinking about as I I was preparing for this was on the last episode, you were really trying to convince me to rescue a dog. Yeah. Since then, I had just over two wonderful years with an amazing rescue dog. Me and my my partner at the time rescued a dog called Finley. Absolute angel, absolutely life-changing experience. And we're not together anymore, so I don't see him as much. But it was Funny looking back, at, I remember either in the interview or maybe just when I was around yours at one point and we were having a Sunday lunch, I think, that you were really trying to hard sell me on rescuing a dog. And I was like, look, <laughs> sound work, <laughs> all of these kind of things. And I, it's, it is hard. But it was because yeah. anytime I come and see you guys or Kelly or whoever, I'm excited to play with dogs and see dogs. I adore dogs. So yeah. it's not like 
you were trying to hard, hard sell me. I'm yeah. ignoring everyone to play with the dogs. And you're <laughs> wisdomly saying, you should probably get a dog. But yeah. yeah, it was amazing and it was a life-changing experience. So talk to me a little bit about r- rescuing dogs because I do believe it is, I do, I'm a firm believer in yeah. a dog don't shop. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing, right? Because you get it to is. give this living thing a new life. Yeah. And you've been doing it for years and you've got loads and you've yeah. had loads. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me a little bit about I, it. I, we've rescued all of ours, a kind of of a, of a, of a sort. Oh, there's, there's my mailman. Here we go. Um, <laughs> of a sort, in some ways, like two of our rescues were, were puppies. One was like from a broken home and one was unwanted because he was the runt of the litter and he was very broken mm-hmm. as such and a very broken tail, lots of broken ribs. And we're like, we'll take him. And then the Rhodesian we've got, his owner was dying of cancer. And so right. she was trying to find a home for him. So we took him. And now we've kind of we're looking after my sister's dog, Mr. Yeah. Banks. But we lost one of our our dogs recently, which is that's the first time that's happened for me. I've lost cats before, yeah. But there's something about having a dog, and it absolutely broke me to the yeah. point where I was like, unless I get his name tattooed on my body and I feel that pain yeah. there, yeah. I don't think I'm going to get past it. Which yeah. I did, which seems yeah. very strange. No, no, but, I completely understand. Yeah. So I again, not I've not talked about it much on the podcast, but yeah. I talked to you about it. When I went through this breakup earlier in the year, I met up with Kelly actually because I was really struggling and we had a good chat and a kind of catch up. Yeah. And I spent ages kind of processing the breakup and coming mm-hmm. to terms. Again, there's no hate no, no, between no. me and my ex. It's all love still. But I spent ages kind of processing coming to terms with the fact it was the right thing for her at this time and all that. And then the dog stuff hit me. Yeah. Because I was like, well, it wasn't his choice and it's not right for him. And it just no, I just had no. this wave of I had... Mumps really are really struggling to kind of come to terms with not having that dog anymore, and he yeah. was alive still at least. Kind yes, of thing. Yeah, it's a kind absolutely. of, but it was that same kind of mourning of oh, we don't get to do this anymore. Or, yeah, because again, weirdly, I was all each morning he'd he'd wake m- me up to take him out for his morning sh- shit. It was my duty <laughs> to take him out for a morning person shit, and just yeah. even that small thing, it's like. Oh, oh, that was that. our little time on our own together. That was our little well, it's motivation time and... as well, isn't it? It, it, it makes you get up and it yeah. makes you do something. Like I always have to be active because they need yeah. me to to be that for yeah. them, even though yeah. they're all really old. And actually, I wake up too shit mm. every morning mm-hmm. in this in the terms that Eric <laughs> is so old now <laughs> and blind and deaf, yeah. and he's lost control of his bowels. Yeah. And so most mornings I clean up, clean up his poop. Yeah. But he's wonderful and I'm not going to put him down for that because he's still happy and jolly and eats his food and goes on his walks. But the rescue thing, which was one of the benefits of being at Holby, actually, I always wanted to do some good in Mm -hmm. in that incredible position that I was given. It's not like being on EastEnders where you're hounded and harassed by the press and things like that. I could do small things and it would make a difference. And that's why I started to help out with the pack project. Yes. And these are dogs that are in Romania, dogs and cats Mm -hmm. that are in Romania, and they have a a huge problem with not sterilising their animals. And when they get fed up with their animals, they chuck them in the forest. Yeah. And And historically, it all all comes from um, apparently when they moved from whatever dictatorship they had, Mm. or when the dictatorship came in, sorry, everyone kind of was moved from the countryside into the cities, and most of the dogs were just set free and became wild dogs because you cu- you've not got a field anymore or all this this yeah. land. So there was there's street dogs in Romania, are, I remember from touring there, are a huge thing. And yeah. there's a kind of, they like to talk about how the dogs become the community's 
dogs and everyone looks after them. But that's not it's realistic. Not and it's, it's not it's true It's a beautiful either. idea and it's not realistic or true, as yeah. I said, because of the, the yeah. breeding and all this kind of thing. So yeah. there's so many dogs that need rescuing. Yeah. And they just get run over. That's, yeah. the, that's the worst part is you're driving along and someone will just hit a dog and just carry on driving. It's just yeah. awful. Yeah. And I know that we have a big crisis in this country as well. You know, we're, I think we're going through unprecedented financial crisis in this country at the mm. moment. And I know people are giving up their animals and being made to give up their animals, a whole XL bully thing. Yeah. I mean, and I've often had a lot of... Hours, I yeah. That's just, just the most disgusting thing. Yeah. I've had and a again, lot of shit for it, actually. The fact that they've brought it in as a distraction tactic, essentially, yeah. from yeah. all their other shit. But, yeah. yeah. But I've had a lot of shit for promoting a charity in a different country rather than right. trying to help animals in this country. Yeah. But the difference is, you know, Batty Dogs Home, I mean, they rehome something like 80,000 dogs a year. You know, this doesn't happen in Romania. They're in, they're, they're in yeah. a um, yeah. cage for three weeks with the, with the dog wardens out there before they're put to sleep. <laughs> and that's it. And my charity takes the ones from them yeah. and tries to rehome those ones. And they can come with problems or they can come with no problems like Betty, who's settled in here absolutely yeah. incredibly, no problems whatsoever. So that's why I do it, because there are countries who aren't as developed as we are as far as sterilisation goes. You know, it's it's so rare here that you'll see a dog walking off the side of the road mm-hmm. or, a, or a, you know, a cardboard box full of kittens. Yeah. Because yeah, it's horrendous to us yeah. that that would happen. So, yeah. but in Romania, you know, it's par for the course. And again, I've never, on any political scale, I've never understood the resilience to boundaries mm. of, well, why aren't you looking after our dogs? It's like, no, they need to be looked after too. It's not yeah. one or the other. Yeah. It's like, but, but, but these dogs here need help and we can help them. Absolutely. So that's what I'm focusing on and, and, and doing. I'm not saying... My charity has completely run out of money. Yeah. It has no money at the moment. Yeah. It's and it's heartbreaking for me because I used to be able to do so much of them. Mm-hmm. I would auction off everything I had from mm-hmm. Holby to try and help them. And I literally cannot do anything now but like repost for them. Yeah. Which breaks my heart. Yeah. You know, but they are broke and these are, they need more help. So that's yeah. why I do it. And that's why, I, and that's why I, I rehome myself because, you know, I'll look on their site constantly and be like, I know that one's not going to get home. Maybe I can foster it. Maybe I can help. Maybe I can do something. Mm. But yeah, I, I do believe in adopt, don't shop. I think there should be rules. I believe there's a rule in America now where you cannot buy a dog. You have to rehome. Oh, wow. That's, I believe that's, that's happened. Yeah. And I think that should happen here. Yeah. God knows we're going to have a problem in January with all those XL bullies. Again, I, the only thing I will say on that is there are no bad dogs. There are only bad owners. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think anyone who argues against it, I don't think anyone says there shouldn't be any rulings mm. on on dogs. I'm perfectly yeah. on board with licensing for bigger dogs and things yeah. like this and training being mandatory. Yeah. But I don't believe in a rule that comes in that basically says loads are going to be killed yeah. for no reason, with no history of violence, with no history of anything bad just because of their breed. It's ridiculous. That's but. the owner's choice, though, isn't it? Apparently the rule is, is that we will pay you, we will give you money if you choose to put down your mm-hmm. dog. And this is probably something we should check, actually, but that's what I remember the They, the they rule will being. contribute £140 to the putting down of the dog, yeah. apparently, which is... But if you keep your dog... Bleak. It has to be sterilised. Yep. And when you take it out, it has to be muzzled. Yeah. So I'm not really understanding the ban. Mm. It almost seems completely 
point. I mean, you can't resell them. So yes, so the ones that do get taken in Mm -hmm. will be euthanized because you're not allowed to rehome and you're not allowed to sell and you're not allowed to breed. But all those people who have them can keep them if they choose to. But again, we speak about, you spoke earlier of the the cost of of living crisis. There is a load of new extra costs involved Mm -hmm. in XL bullies. And they're not dogs that are adored by the wealthier classes. They do tend to be (laughs) people who are are more on on the breadline. So I think we're going to see a lot there. I know uh, Rescue Remedies is the rescue home that we got Finley from. I know that they've got an extra a bully that they're desperately trying to rehome at the moment. Before that comes before in. Before Jan comes in, because then they'll just have to kill him. If, in if, you if, come. Yeah. In you yeah, come, there Pip. We go, there we go. You know, I can well, see you with an XL, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was snuggling up with one on the train yesterday, weirdly, yeah. an XL bully just got on and everyone kind of shied away and I asked the owner if he's friendly because, again, yeah. I'm very, I've learned now how to be around big dogs. Yeah. And it looked like the scariest dog. And then as soon as he says friendly, as soon as I briefly kind of put my hand out, oh, tail started yeah. wagging. He was buried in my in, in my arms and everything for the, the rest it's, of the journey. It's interesting the, the though that you lovable. said it's a um, it's a it's a tactic, isn't it? Because if we think about this in our lifetimes as well, you know, in the nineties it was Alsatians, mm-hmm. and then it was Rottweilers, mm-hmm. and then Dobermans it was Dobermans, before, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it was Staffordshire Bull Terriers. Yep. So, you know, there's been this interesting, we're going to ban this and ban that dogs over decades and decades. It's a big distraction and a big topic of conversation to, again, when there's so many inquiries and so much horrific stuff going on within our government. So, but it's a distraction that's going to cause loads of living things to be killed. Yeah, which is just wrong, isn't it? Yeah, it's messed up. But on to more positive things. Let's talk a little (laughs) bit about ice baths and cold showers because... Again, it's something that I had hit up the guys at... Who's the company that does a monkey? Brass, Brass Monkey. monkey. Yeah, yeah I, I was reaching... Because I've seen their baths about, and I was like, I might have to get a bath. I've been doing cold sh- showers for years, but haven't really done any any ice baths. Yeah. And it was when I hit them up, I was like, oh, Rosie's a kind of a, a, a patron as such, or a representative in, in, in some way. And you've got, got massively into it, right? So tell yeah. me about your journey into... Cold water treatment and um, cold showers and ice baths. So it's it's literally, it's interesting. Actually, I did an interview about this for the Daily Mail the other day, purely because, um, and the great thing was, you know, it was it was through sort of Brass Monkey, but I wasn't really talking about Brass Monkey. And mm. again, that's something I, I would rather be helpful than promote, yeah, if you know what 100%, I mean. So, 100%, 100%. Um, I was, as you know, you've known me for years, I've always really struggled with my health. I have a very rare disease called Bechet syndrome, which when I was first diagnosed with it over 20 years ago, it was it was a very little known disease. And from that moment on, I was on immunosuppressants and steroids and had terrible sort of weight fluctuations. And the disease had really hit me hard and I couldn't walk at one point and I was on disability. And it was a really tough period. And over sort of the, the course of you know, 20 years of being on this medication, you've seen a lot of changes with my body, a lot of changes with how I feel about myself. And I kind of discovered that, you know, being on those kind of drugs for a really, really long period of time, A, you shouldn't be, but we didn't know that at the time, Mm -hmm. and B, can cause other problems. Right. So I really had enough, actually, last year. And um, I'd had a period where I'd found, we'd just found out the whole bit was being cancelled the same day that everybody else found out, by the way. Wow. Yes. The same day the press found out, we found out. That's so, mad. which was insane. 
Yeah. You've got six months left and that's it. And after that, um, I became really unwell with my disease again. You have uh, flare-ups with it. Mm -hmm. And I'd been involved in a car accident. And somehow the stress of that really started because I I couldn't sleep thinking about this young boy who'd basically died in my arms. Um, And the stress of it hit me so hard that I wasn't sleeping and I was thinking about it every day and I couldn't drive down the stretch of the A41 mm. without like tensing up and yeah, panicking because that was where it happened. That was where it happened. This is where I stopped. This is where I tried to help him. And so, yes, I became very, very sick and I ended up going to see my immunologist, uh, Professor Fortune, brilliant name, at yes. uh, St. Bart's. And um, she she did all my bloods. I was there for about seven hours in the end, getting tests from all the departments because you have to see eyes and nose and throat and mm-hmm. dental and everybody. And she said, I think you're on the verge of having a stroke. And I was like, what? And she was like, you are, your vitals are so shit and your blood levels are shit and your iron levels are shit. She's like, you're, you're on the verge of having either another nervous breakdown or a, or a a TIA, which is like a mini, mini stroke. And I was like, oh my God. Mm. Um, And I remember calling up the the line producer on Holby and saying, I I don't know what to do. She's told me I'm going to have a stroke unless I stop, stop everything, stop everything I'm doing. At this point, it was like the whole end of the show was kind of based around my character dying. Right. And I was in it, you know, I was in it and I was in every day and I was working my arse off. But you don't want to go the that method and actually die. No, exactly. (laughs) actually get a brain tumor. This is actually going to kill me. Um, this is a problem. Yeah, though. and I said, "Look, you know what? What can we do?" Yeah. And uh, so they were they were very good, and it was very difficult for them. And I ended up doing like three days a week, occasionally four, so that I was able to get rest mm-hmm. in between. Mm-hmm. And then it ended. And then when the show ended, I again got very very sick, and I was just like my body kind of shut down because it's gone. Oh my god, you're not doing this crazy work anymore. And I was like, I've had enough of this. Yeah. And so I started to research you know, the cold water therapy. Everybody had heard about Wim Hof. You told me about the yeah, cold showers yeah, yeah, yeah. and things like that and your experiences. And I was like, right, I'm, I think I'm going to try this. I think I'm going to try and wean myself off and replace it with this endorphin mm-hmm. dopamine mm-hmm. rush and see what it does for me. And I went and had this big medical up in London and, you know, I was really proud of my results coming out of this medical. And I thought, right, I'm going to do this. So I weaned myself off my immunosuppressants, which I wasn't supposed to do because you're supposed to do it over six months. And I basically went cold turkey right. and started jumping in the ice baths. And I, I would say in that time, it, it's been a year now, and I'd say like a 95% reduction in my disease. That's astounding, isn't yeah. it? And my mental health yeah. and perimenopause. It's very good for that too. Really? Absolutely, yeah. That's fascinating as well. Because I know again, I don't look old enough, but anything, it's true. Anything like, no, but anything like perimenopause and stuff like that is mm. so undiscussed, so unresearched. You, you as women are so unprepared for it because yeah. no one's kind of talked about it because we're still within reach of the era that it would just come under women's problems. <laughs> Um, she just, just she's just hysterical. Exactly, exactly. Still in the reach, as dumb as it sounds. I genuinely think it's because we're still in the reach of that era that it's so unresearched, so mm. un, as I said, uninformed on it, and yeah. kind of 
the vibe tends to be, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and then we'll tell you. And then we'll oh, let yeah. you know what to do. Rather than here's what you should be expecting. Absolutely. You tell us how you feel and then we'll go, oh, yeah, th- here's the reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, you, you still have mean? to pay for all of your tampons, Reaction which I don't agree action. with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, oh, yeah, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating journey. Mm. But the ice baths have helped no end with it, you know, amazing which you. has been brilliant. And, and yes, yeah, so I've been off my immunosuppressants for a whole year now. Yeah. I haven't had any flare-ups. I'm still getting the occasional bit here or there, yeah. but I'm not having the stomach problems I had before. If I get um, an erythema nodosum, which is like a weird kind of hard red sore lump on mm. your legs, if I get one, they would have lasted up to six weeks before. They're usually gone now within a week or two. Yeah. The scarring's not as bad from them. If I break my skin, I would usually get an infection from that. But if I get an infection, I jump in the ice bath for a week. It doesn't sit. It doesn't stay. Wow. It doesn't get worse. And then, of course, you know, the mental health side of it, you know, because I was diagnosed with depression and depersonalization, you know, eight years ago when I had Bo. And if I feel it happening, I'm in. I get in the bath and it just changes my mindset. It's always been the mental health side of it that I've really felt the benefits of and I was saying before we got started I was excited to chat because I've I've slipped off cold sh- sh- showers I was doing them every day for a good two three years mm. loved it loved it particularly in the winter because I knew that in the summer everyone got into cold sh- showers again yeah and then when the winter came everyone stopped and I'd be there going nah, <laughs> I mean this is the best time for it I love it still <laughs> um and for me it was always I spoke about it with an author called Tim Clare and he summed it up really well, saying, he said, the cold shower doesn't always make him feel better. Yeah. But so far, it's never made him feel worse. That's good. And it's kind of, it's, most of the times, it will make him, him, him yeah. feel better. And yeah, I completely feel it's that, for me, it's that kind of, I suffer from insomnia sometimes. And it will be very similar to what you were saying there. It will be mental health based. It will yeah. be, there'll be stuff going on in my life that I'm thinking about and thinking yeah, about and, and that's thinking why about you can't and thinking sleep. about. Yeah. And I'll have that nightmare thing of, I'll exhaust myself in the day and I'll fall asleep and I'll wake up after like 30 minutes and I'll be like, ah, fuck. The body has now had its bit. Now the brain is going to go, now yeah. we're awake. Oh God. Unlucky, mate. So it's awful. I'd have a lot of that. And after in those periods, I'm not having it much at the moment, but in those periods, a cold shower in the morning would shake all of the that off it'd yeah. be the perfect re- reboot and hearing how affected your health can be by your your mental health yes and your stress levels yes it makes total sense that that would be a really good you get rid of that even if you spend all night stressing yeah. or panicking you get to start the day or whenever you do it you get to go right I that's kind of go. all gone now yeah um yeah it's powerful it's interesting isn't it because this woman from uh, the daily mail the other day said she'd spoken to some norwegian doctors or whatever and they were like you know it's a placebo mm. it's a placebo and she said how well, what do you think about that and i said well if it's a placebo that works for everybody then i don't care yeah. you know i think that's incredible brilliant Cause okay because that, that's what's really interesting so i had wim hof on about six or seven years ago now like ages ago and i went to his house in holland and honestly when i drove out of amsterdam it was sunny and the closer i got to wim's house it started to be covered in snow. There was ice everywhere. He was like wow. some supervillain or, or, or superhero. <laughs> some Icelandic on how you, yeah. yeah. And it was amazing. So I went there. Um, that, that episode's great because the first 10 minutes or so is him laughing at my name. Um, he really found Scroobius Pip hilarious. So, But again, he's, an wow. odd, he's a wonderfully odd man. But after I did that, I had a lot of people reach out saying, 
oh, this has been disproven or that has been disproven. Yeah. And it's things like that, as you say, placebos, like it's really, or in mental health in general, it's really interesting at the moment because there's been big changes, there's been big breakthroughs in what is confirmed as working on the medication f- mm-hmm. front. And we w- I won't ramble on too much about it, but they've basically realised that m- most antidepressants and things like that aren't doing what they thought they did, but they are working and they don't know why. Yeah. So again, it's that kind of thing of like loads that. of medicine is yeah. now being discovered as, oh, right, well, what we thought it was doing... It's not. It's not. Yeah. That's not. But, but as I said, statistically, it's working. So we don't just want to stop... Yeah. Because we've proved it's wrong. It's, it's that whole thing of if bees were self-aware, they wouldn't be able to fly because they define all... It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they define all logic. Yeah. But they just do it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense on the shape and the, the positioning of their wings, all of this, like... Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make work, sense, yeah. But they just do. Well, I love that, though. It's and like anaesthesia. They still don't know yeah. how anaesthesia works. It's mad, isn't it? They still don't know why it works, how it works, but it just works. So, yeah, like you say, if it's a placebo that's working for people, yeah. then it doesn't matter and, that you call it a placebo. Again, the thing, the thing that I really enjoyed with Wim, or the way I described it to Wim, because Wim would talk about how he's used ice baths to give him control over his immune system. Right. And he can control his immune system and, he, and all this. And I said to him, look, that makes you sound like a nutter. But <laughs> what I would say is... Yeah. We do have subconscious control over our immune system, and you've already spoken of it, but I know I used to get it from tour. If I'm really, just anyone, if you've got a really busy period at work, yeah, the second you have a day off, you get sick. You get sick, yeah. Because your body is going, all right, we've got time to get ill now. Yeah. It was stopping it in that whole period because you don't have time. That's right, yeah. And that's something that our bodies do, or we do subconsciously, so that then makes it not as wild women saying, oh, I've taken conscious control of that because oh, you're aware absolutely. that it's something that we are doing. So yeah. it's not And as, my disease as is an immune disease. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's a similarity there as yeah. well, isn't there? Yeah. But also, you know, yes, you can call it placebo on one hand, but if my physiology has changed yeah. since I've been doing ice baths, there has to be more in that. There yeah. has to be something else, doesn't there, that it, yeah. it, that it works that way for me and it prevents problems from getting worse for me yeah so yeah i find it fascinating but yes you should have brought your shorts it's sitting yeah. out there in my stables i should have i should have you can get Next in time. I'll absolutely be back. i'll be back well i want to talk about two things here as well then i want to talk about where we are mm-hmm. and the choice to move kind of out into the sticks and i want to talk about what just because we were talking about ice baths and health What's your current relationship with your physical health in in general? You you mentioned making sure you get to the gym. It can't be easy being married to a fitness person kind of thing. So again, where do you go with it? I I could see how it could be easy to go too far into it. And again, just to give my kind of story on this is I got really into CrossFit for ages. Mm. And then I'm now in a really good place where I'm like, look, I'm not, trying to compete with anyone mm-hmm. i'm not looking to join the olympics yeah but i want to be to healthy. enjoy my life more yeah. and to be f- physically able to enjoy my life as yeah. much as possible therefore f- finding fitness things that i enjoy and that make me healthier yeah it's a win-win Absolutely. so yeah well where's your and again it is a, it is both of us i think it was before we started recording we did, 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 did both talk about there is also something in getting older and going 
well, I need to look after myself a bit more. And yeah. I need to do a bit more because I've not just got that auto metabolism or whatever else My that's going to God, no. Absolutely. God, the weight I've gained in the last two years, <laughs> you know, I've just allowed myself to sort of, you know, let go a little bit. But also, you know, within that, having stopped Holby and having been now in a position where I am actually getting time to spend with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And she's fast. <laughs> You know, like, that kid has got some energy and I want to be able to keep up with her. When she says, I'll race you, I don't want to go, oh, knees, you know, I want to be able to go, yeah, I'll race you, yeah, I'll tickle you, yeah, I'll do this. This is coming full circle, but just recently I met up with Finley for the first time since we broke up and we both got overexcited on the beat (laughs) and and raced each other (laughs) and he... Destroyed me out the blocks, yeah. but I beat him with, with stamina. There and I think go. it told the story of our journeys since the breakup. Is yeah. I've got really into stamina <laughs> side of things, and Finley has been eating a lot. Yeah, so, so there like, you yes, go. Exactly. I got to I got to keep up with him, but yeah, oh. it's, it's exactly that. It really, it's really is. Things. It really is. And also, you know, I have the time to concentrate on this yeah. now. I do have a husband who owns now one gym because the other one burned down. Yeah. Um, you know, and. I'm very lucky that he trains me three times a week. I go four or five times a week, being my age, again, 46, going through the perimenopause, osteoporosis, all of those things that I have to look out for. As a woman of this age, you have to do resistance training. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely no point in just standing on a fucking treadmill all day or running Mm -hmm. on a treadmill all day because you just lose muscle. And I and I I don't want to be incredibly thin. I just want to be healthy. I want to feel healthy. You know, and a reasonable amount of muscle is healthy. Again, the myth for a long time and continually to be perpetuated, particularly with women, is Mm. thin is healthy. And it's not not. as simple as that. No. It's not as simple as that. It's you need to be again, it's why I got into CrossFit, but I don't talk about it much because it becomes such a cliche of CrossFit people trying to convert it. It's that now, isn't it? The point is it's functional fitness and you're meant to be equipping your 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 body for life. Yes. Kind of a good and positive thing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, there are days like today, I was just like, I just haven't got it in me today. And I did Mm. what I could, but I did something. And I'm glad I did something rather than doing nothing. And there are days where I go, I am not digging myself today. Again, I, 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 I will also say that people that are too into it can be as bad as people who aren't working out at all. Because, again, I think you can overdo it. And I think you're exactly right. I have those days where I'm like, look, today I'm not feeling it. So what I want to do is, for me, it's normally shoulder stuff. Yeah. Because particularly for guys, it's the instant ego boost. Yes. You you, you see an instant result. You see an instant (laughs) reaction. So you're like, yep. Yeah. There we go. I look strong. I'm opposite. I'll do cardio. So I'll put on a weight vest. Yeah. And of course, I get the usual, oh, you're preparing for a fight then, because yeah, yeah, it looks yeah, like a stand yeah, vest. It's hilarious, yeah, obviously, yeah, every yeah. week. <laughs> and I will put on a weight vest and I will run and then I will cycle. And for me, it's the being covered in sweat yeah. at the end of it. That's what oh, makes me balance, feel good. Because that's it. Cardio is the one I get addicted to the most. Yeah. So if I can't, if I have a few days where I can't get that motivation to do weights, yeah. to do anything proper with weights other than just quietly move some about. Um, <laughs> Because, yeah, I'm exactly the same. Cardio is the one I can always do because yeah. I will set a pro. Yeah. I, I've, I've got a little bike at home and I use a thing called Zwift, which is like, it's like an app that's a version of Peloton type thing. And you just yeah. you go on these Brilliant. on these little rides. So I'll set my targets. I'll put on my little heart monitor. And again, exactly the same there. I know that I can smash out yeah. however long and 
I'll feel and you'll right. feel better for it after. But I said, because I know, weirdly, if I'm busy, that's the easiest one to just switch on to. I don't have to plan a set or anything. Absolutely. It was, there was definitely a period where I was doing too much of that and not eating enough. And again, I was going towards the thought of burning calories is healthy. No. And it's not as simple as that. It's, no. I said, it's the balance of the two. So. And the cardio is always really good for the mind as yeah. well, because yeah. you really do have to focus on your breathing and mm-hmm. things like you're not doing a set. You have to yeah. just, you know stick to it and crack yeah, on with it yeah. but i found as well like ben got us that uh life not life insurance medical insurance with vitality or whatever it is yeah, yeah. and you know you get freebies which right. is brilliant and i didn't have a watch and so he bought me like a garmin watch and the addiction of making my steps every day as well oh, is man. another thing that's incredibly motivating so i'm like i get free coffees free cinema tickets yeah. it's brilliant again it it, it f- for me, it's something that comes, I have to keep an eye on it becoming obsessive because yeah. I'm exactly the same. I'll have, I now always look at my monthly right. compared to last month, compared to the month before. So, yeah. for example, I was, I was saying before we started, I had th- three or four days kind of in bed with the flu. I'm like, fucking hell, this, this has been a bad start to the month of my steps <laughs> because it does your average kind of at the end yeah. of it. So I'm like... Yeah, it, it can become... I've, yeah. I've definitely had to have points where I've gone, look... It doesn't matter. Just have a low day today. Yeah. It's all right. You don't have to make it up to, to, oh, I'm so uh, bad tomorrow. at doing that. I'm yeah. so bad at it. It all becomes obsessive. And again, yeah. I think anything... Like I, I talk to a lot of my gym head mates and I'm the one that's always n- n- nagging them to, to have rest days. Because yeah. people who are really into the gym think that the discipline is going oh. to the gym. If you're really into it, the discipline is having one or two rest days a week. Absolutely. It gets addictive. Yeah, completely. Um, I've replaced yeah. it. I've replaced all of my addictions with like just trying to be yeah. around for a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't take drugs, and I just like, but I'll go to the gym. It's beautiful though. And again, we touched upon this, like it makes me laugh with dogs because dogs, <laughs> we... Um, we take to get exercise and fresh air because they need it to live and mm-hmm. we don't really acknowledge the fact that we do too. Absolutely. So like, we, we weren't doing that oh, for God. ourselves. But then it's the same, I was speaking, I was catching up with Nick Frost recently and he's recently lost a lot of weight and that was all based around he wants to be there with his kids longer. Yeah. And it's these simple things, it's like, oh man, why can't more of us do that for ourselves as well yeah if you know what i mean there's so many yeah. people i think who have kids or or a dog and go i'm gonna do these things f- for them and it's like you've got value too mate yeah absolutely do it for you as well like you were always i always wanted you to be around longer yeah regardless of of, of who you're looking after or who's in your world but um uh, before we go too far on um how's it living out in the sticks <laughs> Quiet. And what made that you giant helicopter that we had? What was the ago. kind of the choice process? Um, I I think a lot of people thought about where they were living mm-hmm. during the pandemic because how we was had the pandemic for you? Oh, guys? I loved it because obviously it was great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was one of those people who was supposed to be shielding. Yeah, uh, which yeah, I did. Of course, you know, right, we yeah. carried on shooting up until the day Boris said lockdown. Yeah, and I would have been shielding weeks before that. Yeah. It was great for Ben. Film sets had the money to yes. take the precautions, though. I yeah, they did, and we. I think we only did in the. I think we only had three or four months off in the end, mm-hmm. while we set up to kind of put ourselves in the position where we could start shooting again, yeah, and with so all free. the precautions yeah, in place yeah. and things like that. It was great for Ben. Ben's someone who doesn't rest. Mm-hmm. So for him, I thought it was a, a really, really good thing. I mean, he still went to the gym every day, but he rebuilt it while he was right. during that time. There was yeah. nobody there. He could go in. He could do his carpentry. It was great. But we we looked at where we were living. And, uh, you know, where we used to live was a very family-oriented 
place in St Albans, and but it was a bit of a rat run, which I didn't really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And we just happened upon this place, and it'd been on the market for a while, and it was still within distance of Bo's school. So we were like, actually, this is kind of like equidistant from where we are at the moment right, to her school. And we, you know, had all the dogs, and we wanted more space, and we were looking for another project because we just finished our house. Yeah. And we get a little bit antsy and we want the next, you know, we want to do the next yeah, thing. I love you know, that. You, which is you, great. People spend ages doing up their house. And yeah, then and then they sell it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, we really we really didn't enjoy the house that much yeah. before we, before yeah, we yeah. sold it. And we, yeah, we happened upon this place and, you know, we came out to see it just as the sort of, was the pandemic ending? I can't even remember now. But this house was like the kind of house that you wipe your feet on the way out. Right. It, you know, yeah. like everybody yeah. who looked at it, because we spoke to the estate agent about it, and he was like, no, no offers. No, everybody who walks in goes, it's too much. It's yeah. too much for projects. It's too expensive. And it was mm. way too expensive. It was on for like £2 million, wow. which was insane. And we were like, there's no way we're going to buy this house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in the end, they were desperate to sell it. And so we got it for an absolute steal, which yeah. was brilliant. But um, I love it here. I am someone, and you've been to my last house, which yeah. was done perfectly. Yeah. There wasn't anything wrong with that house. And what are we sitting in? We're sitting in a room that has no ceiling. Yeah. A ripped out fireplace. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. Windows that don't fit properly. Yeah, sure. And holes everywhere. I mean, the cobwebs are real. This isn't from, this isn't from <laughs> this Halloween. Halloween no. <laughs> the, all these cobwebs are real. All the yeah. spiders are real. I never thought I could have lived like this for this period of time because I'm incredibly OCD. Mm-hmm. And as Ben explains to me, I'm someone who goes, now, 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 now. Yep. So if he, if I say to him, you know, we really should replaster that wall up in the bathroom that you blew a hole in to fix our yeah. chimney, he'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll do it next week. It's, like, it's all right, I'll get the filler and I'll start. Yeah. And then if yeah. I say that to him, I know he's going to go, all right, I'll do it. So yeah. that's who I am. So living like this where the outside is actually nicer than the inside, yeah. the grass and the trees are nicer than yeah, what's yeah, inside yeah, yeah. the house, is hard, but I've never been happier. I was going to say, do you feel it's been good for you, though? Absolutely. To be f- forced, because there's, you can't just fix it. No. It can't, can't, it can't be no. now, 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 no. now. It's like, it's, it's not possible. I've had to accept that, because yeah. we bought it when I had an incredibly paying, a wonderful paid job. Yeah. And we had two very successful gyms. Yeah. Then I lost that job. Yeah. And we'd already bought this. So yeah. we'd moved in two weeks before we found out Holby was finishing. Wow. So... Again, it makes it all the more kind of sh- yeah. shocking that you found out the same when time we did. as everyone else. Yeah, yeah that absolutely, like, that we were going to, you know, yeah. that my wage was ending. And then a year, wow. and we were like, that's okay, we can manage, and we've got the two gyms, and I'll just take a bit of breath. And then Ben's gym burnt down, and then it was like, right, we're in a situation now where we have this ridiculous mortgage. Mm. We have a third of the wage coming in. Mm. And we can't afford to do anything on the house at all. We yeah. had no kitchen, yeah. no heating, no plumbing, no bathroom. Ben, we did a very long period between exchange and completion. So we did three-week exchange and completion on the terms that Ben could be here and he could make it livable for us. Yeah. So he yeah, created a bedroom for my daughter, a bedroom for us, and a bathroom. And then we lived in this room with a, a, like a semi-permanent kitchen. So it was on still space. It was wow. on like a, a you know, put-up table. Yeah. And we've done bits as we can. And we've just had a downstairs toilet put in by Ben and a utility room by Ben yeah. in the garage. And we're just doing things that will get us through. So we have like a wood burner. Every winter we've been here, we've literally frozen. Yeah. It's been so cold. Yeah. So now we have a wood burner. So yeah. we're doing little things. Yeah. And we're hoping that we can do some more stuff. But we'll just see. You know, I'm 
I'm not working. Yeah. And it's tough, but there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Yeah. Again, I, I, it's weird, isn't it, how what can help you find peace. where your happiness is, what your peace is, yeah. w- w- what your essential what your essentials are. There's loads of things. <laughs> it's going to sound so kind of hippie, but when you've got loads of things, they can all seem really important. Yeah, and, and they're when just you not. haven't, you kind of find out quite quick what is important. They're just not, yeah. you know. And it's I, this place, and it's you know, we'll take a walk around yeah, afterwards. Yeah. It's gotten me through the loss of Jack, mm. the loss of my job, the loss of our gym. I've had two miscarriages as well in the last two right. years. And there is something about this place and the peace of this place and this house that has, even though it's wrecked, has the most incredible feeling. Mm. Uh, this house is joyful as far as I'm concerned, considering how badly it was treated. Yeah. That, make, that does, it makes you realise. And I say to Ben, you know, whatever happens, it doesn't matter. As long as there's us three, I'll go anywhere with you. I'll be anywhere with you. None of this matters as long as it's us yeah. three. And it's really helped me come to terms with that. You know, the lack of work and all that kind of stuff. I really don't, I am unbothered by it. It it. really doesn't matter to me at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it feels, does it feel like you've found, and this is a bold, a big question, but does it feel like you've found your home now? That Like this is where you're going to be? Or does this feel like somewhere that you're going to do up and then as soon as it's done? Um, Move on. No, I Because the way you like, speak about the house then, is like yeah. with, as, as a personality and as yeah. an entity, it feels very different from a project. If we can find a way to stay here, mm-hmm. I will stay here as long as, yeah. as possible. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I know what we have intended for the house and I know how it could be. Yeah. I also know that even if we just did it up with the bare bones that it is right now, it would still be the most wonderful place to live anyway. But this does feel like the forever home yeah. for us. But again, you know, is that, is this material, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's like a friend of mine the other day, Sarah Jane Potts, who's had a little break from acting. And it made me think about life like this as well. Um, when she decided to take some time out, she said, you know, if it's taking more than it's giving, then it's not worth it. Mm. And this gives me so much, this place. Yeah. It takes a lot, but it gives me so much more back. Yeah. You know, and I just, I just, this is where I'm supposed to be. I love it. I love yeah. it. I kind of always end by asking, like, what's ahead? But it feels like you don't need to know that right now, no, right? I don't. Again, it's kind of, it just, it feels like such a dumb question at this point because it feels <laughs> like you don't know what's ahead with the house, but it will be what it is. And with yeah. this industry, you don't know what's ahead, but you've you're, you've kind of found peace the peace it. here. So Yeah. No, yeah. I, I have peace with all of it and it's it's really really it's a really lovely place to be from going from chaos to peace without a doubt it is it is marvelous yeah i love it well i'm really glad that we've got to sit down and have another yeah catch up come in a year come in a year and see what we've done yeah oh again we've already (laughs) said with the news of the actors strike ending Mm. your sister's also up the road yeah yeah. um, so she'll be back soon so i'll definitely be coming and hanging out in the next month or two I'd imagine so um yeah but it's been a joy I appreciate it thank you very much thank you you've been listening to Scroobius Pip's distraction pieces there we go 
that was Rosie Marcel. And as mentioned in that episode, we're going to put the lost episode out. One of two unreleased episodes in the history of Distraction Pieces. As I said, we're nine years into this, an episode, at least an episode a week every week. And this is only one of two that haven't seen the light of day. And it's going to now, it's going to be out on Friday. So tune in on Friday f- for that. And then you can compare and contrast. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you agree that that was an amazing conversation. And the next one's equally, if not more amazing. So yeah, check that out on Friday. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.